Today's Power Talk is entitled Mobile Battery Storage. It's a conversation with Alex Smith, Chief Technology Officer of Moxion Power. We discuss the current and future state of mobile battery technology and its applications. We also discuss the history of Moxion Power, its explosive growth, and plans for the future. Power Talk is a series of conversations about the changing electric grid, how you can leverage new technologies to increase your reliability and lower your bills, and how you can safeguard yourself. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Power Talk. Today we are very excited to have Alex Smith with us from Moxion to talk about their revolutionary mobile battery solutions. Alex Smith is the co-founder and CTO of Moxion Power where he leads product development. Prior to this, Alex led advanced battery development at NEO and launched several automotive programs at LG Kim, including the Ram 1500 e-torque battery. Smith holds a master's in mechanical engineering from Kettering University. He started his career in 2005 working on heavy-duty hybrid vehicles at ISE Corporation. So that's that's about Alex. Greg, do you mind letting us know about Moxie on the company? Yeah, we're excited to be here today at Moxion. And Alex, thank you for hosting us at this wonderful and historic facility. We're sitting here in Richmond, California at the old Rosie the Riveter facility. And uh, just looking around at the brick walls around us, this is just amazing. Uh, the confluence of high-tech and, and history is just uh, phenomenal. The energy in this place is just uh, absolutely contagious. A little bit on Moxion for our listeners. Moxion is pioneering mobile energy storage products and technologies that accelerate last-mile electrification. And we're going to get a little bit into that uh, as, as we continue this conversation. Moxion is a vert vertically integrated manufacturer of all electric mobile power and energy storage solutions. Based in Richmond, California, Moxion has developed commercial-scale, powerful, silent, and emissions-free mobile battery stations that are designed to replace traditional diesel generators in a number of applications today. The Moxion MP75 that we actually saw this morning charging up Alex's vehicle is rated at 75 kilowatts of power and 600 kilowatt hours of energy. So thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, let's start with, I'm sure, a question that's on many of our listeners' minds is, uh, where, where did the name Moxion come from? So uh, it actually came from one of our other co-founders' wives. Uh, they were sitting around the table trying to think of all sorts of terrible names. Um, and she you know, interjected and said, what about uh, Moxion? You know, it's a combination of Moxie uh, as well as Ion for Ion batteries. So we put those two together and that's where the name came from. Oh, fantastic. What, what a great story. And uh, I'm sure that will be told over and over as you guys continue to uh, skyrocket in your growth. Um, I'm curious, what was, what was the catalyst that, that started Moxion on its journey? I know you've got some kind of power experience from LG, but I understand your other founders come out of the investment banking sector. So how did you guys wind up and find yourselves in this space? Yeah, so the, the origin story is, you know, the state of California has public safety power shutoffs. So every year during fire season, we shut down the utility grid, and when we do that, all these diesel generators start popping up all over town. And so when we started seeing that happening, we, you know, we looked at that problem and said, there has to be a better solution. The rest of the world's heading towards electrification, sustainable technologies. And you know, it seems awfully counterproductive if you have climate change driven fire hazards to then pop up a bunch of you know, high emissions devices to go protect yourself. Uh, and so that was sort of the, the founding story as far as you know where the idea came from 
Um, and then as far as getting us connected, I hadn't known the other founders uh, before this activity. And it was really just through, through networks. They were looking for someone in the electrification space that really knew batteries. And so they reached out to some of my old colleagues and got in touch. Oh, fantastic. What a great story. Just uh, for our listeners, uh, we at Peterson, we provide a lot of that uh, diesel generation for PSPS systems. And we're doing a lot to, uh, to uh, address ESG concerns around that and clean up those, especially with renewable fuels and those types of things. So if you haven't listened to our podcast on HVO, please do so because some of the things that's happening in renewable fuels, very, very exciting. And some of the use cases that the uh, Moxion product uh, addresses very, very exciting as well. So I think these are indeed complementary technologies as we move forward and try to decarbonize the electric sector for uh, for the betterment of all. Um, can you define mobile energy storage product, project products for our listeners? What, what 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 do you consider a mobile energy storage? Yeah, product? so it's it's somewhat of an emerging asset class, and I like to think of it uh, from a, a battery perspective, where historically. There's only really been transportation applications, stationary energy storage, and then small consumer devices. And this is a uh, almost like a hybrid application between stationary storage and transportation, where you need to design a product that is durable, mobile, uh, and cost-effective, but then when it stops to operate, it starts behaving like a stationary storage product. So, uh, mobile asset class, there's, there's, there's some, I guess if you were to explain it to like a, a third grader, uh, what is it that you produce? It is a uh, fuel tank for electrons. I like that. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. And uh, we'll give some website information within this podcast. We'll give a link to their website and stuff. But really, really slick product to uh, to check it out. And by the way, Peterson is uh, is in conversations with Moxion right now, commercial conversations, to incorporate this technology uh, within our rental fleet. We see a lot of really neat use cases for it. So as we sit here in this historic facility, I got to ask, when, and, and you know, we were supposed to do this podcast back in uh, mid December, uh, uh, coincident with the 500th MP75 rolling off the line, and I got that crud that was uh, running around. Everybody seemed sick that week, and we yeah. had to cancel. So thank you for rescheduling with us. But uh, when did the first one? When did the first MP75 roll off the product line? Um, I would say our our first saleable units uh, rolled off around April of last year. Uh, customer delivery started in May, so we. We went through production ramp, uh, got up to rate last year, and made about 550 of those. Uh, and then as far as this vintage of the product, uh, that first one was operational about a year and a half, two years ago. Okay. So st still relatively new, and I, I think as we go through this, I think our listeners are really going to appreciate for the uh, just uh, amazing growth that, uh, that the company has seen, uh, both with the product and, and with uh, the use cases for the product. I was going to say, I, I toured your, uh, your facility uh, right behind us here, and it does not look like your first product came out in April. Uh, <laughs> how on earth did you, did you drop all of this infrastructure? Uh, and, and there's, there's a ton of people working right outside of this door, offices set up, kitchens set up. What's what's the life of Moxion been like? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a wild ride. You know, I'd say it's kind of like riding a bull and you just try to hang on. Uh, <laughs> last year we had just shy of 300% growth when you look at, at headcount. Um, so we're around 350, 375 people at the company. 
Um, as far as you know, how are we able to move so fast? Uh, this combination or this this company is really founded by a lot of industry veterans. Um, we have people from Tesla, Proterra, LG Chem, you know, all these electrification companies coming in with a wealth of experience and knowledge. So well, it's new for Moxian, uh, it's not new for our people. Um, and so with a lot of this, we even started probably th three years ago. Um, so before the product was even fully developed, we were already working on our automation equipment for building battery modules. And so it's a lot of simultaneous engineering and long-term planning uh, that made it happen so quickly. Now, do you think the the product and industry you're in lends itself to uh, to growth at this level, uh, or do, or do you think it's it's sort of the startup nature? Do you think it's the people involved? It's it's a mix of all of those things. Um, what our product is is very disruptive in the industry, and there's nothing else like it on the market. No one can you know, transport this amount of energy storage in such a small form factor. And so we view it as we're expanding into a vacuum because there's no one else really in this space. Now, uh, the other part about going into this market is we're not limited to just the applications that diesel generators support today. Uh, there's also emerging applications such as supporting uh, electric vehicle infrastructure for large EV fleets um, that typically you know, don't exist yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we saw some of that this morning. We, we, we saw, you know, there's been a lot of uh, news lately about the challenges of EV charging and those types of things. And we saw a very simple and easily scalable um, EV charging infrastructure right out in your parking lot here to accommodate your your employees that have EVs. So that's very exciting. The other thing we, we've done, Nate, you probably don't know about, I've got some pictures about, we actually uh, had the Moxion MP75 uh, visit us at our San Leandro headquarters uh, just down the road about uh, 20 minutes without traffic, uh, up to two hours with traffic. but. Mm -hmm. uh, visit us down the road and we actually were able to uh, charge some of our electric trucks from the Peterson's uh, Peterson's trucking division. We're an international trucking dealer and uh, we did some uh, tests tests out in our parking lot and they were very very successful so well, Greg, why don't you explain what the that infrastructure looks like because when you say mobile charging infrastructure like that, that sounds uh, a lot more complex than what I saw this morning in the parking lot it, it's actually not. It, it really isn't. It's taking a level two or level three charger, uh, plugging it into the MP75 on one end, and then plugging it into the EV on the other. It's, it's quite simple, actually. Uh, you, you care to expand upon that? I mean, you're the chief technology officer. <laughs> you're the smart guy in the room. Yeah, so uh, just to elaborate on the these charging infrastructure problems we're seeing in the, the news cycle recently, um, it's no secret that you know we have a electric infrastructure uh, that's our power grid. It was designed over 100 years ago, and it wasn't intended to support uh, this wave of vehicle electrification that's, that's coming. Um, and so as we go to uh, improve that infrastructure, it just takes time. Um, you're typically looking at two years to go upgrade the power at a, at a facility or a warehouse. Um, and so what Moxian can provide is by utilizing mobile energy storage, we can effectively truck in uh, hundreds of kilowatt hours uh, if you have a site with no power and use that whether you're charging a bunch of vehicles real slow or one vehicle real fast um, you can also we like to call it grid boosting uh, but if you do have some limited power supply at a facility you can also plug our unit in like kind of run it perpetually uh, and 
effectively boost a grid connection by running it at its max capacity. So if you think of an EV charging cycle in a fleet, uh, delivery vans may be out running around during the day and they come in at night to charge. And by buffering that with battery systems, uh, you can run that electrical connection at its max load all day uh, and then end up you know, charging more vehicles without lifting a finger. Very, very interesting. Now, you guys advertise that the MP75, and I've seen this, but just for our listeners here, you, you advertise that they're clean and quiet, and they certainly are. Uh, no emissions, no noise. So it, it, it begs the question, how do people know when one of these things is operating? Well, um, how do you know when your, your electric outlet at your house is operating? And do you even want to know? You just expect that it's always operating. Um, we designed our system to sort of blend into the background. Uh, we have, if you want, if you really want to know, uh, we do have a display that shows you what's going on at any point in time. Um, but I don't think people enjoy the noise of generators, and so we specifically designed this product to operate as quietly as possible. Yeah, and what's interesting is because of the no emissions from this project and product and how quiet it is, uh, and we'll talk about more, more use cases throughout. I hope, but uh, one of the, you know, use cases that just pops out and screams Moxion is uh, is movie sets. You can you can you can use these generators inside. They don't have any noise, and uh, I think you've you've placed quite a few of these uh, in in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're seeing a lot of uh, demand from the film industry, um, and it's not just you know while they're filming and you need to effectively be quiet on set. Uh, it's really through the whole production process. So when you go to build a site, for example, you basically have a construction yard. Uh, you're building sets, and then when you know, your whole operation comes to that site. You have a small uh, trailer city uh, called Base Camp. That needs power the whole way. Uh, no one wants to be sleeping next to a generator at night. They'd rather it be quiet. And then there's the filming side of it, which I think is what everyone's minds jump to. Uh, and we've done a lot with some of our, our investors, such as Amazon, uh, with, you know, running their, their film productions. Um, and then when the job's done on filming, they need to go tear down the sets and you have a construction site again. And so really through that whole cycle life of film production, um, it's really a, a great product for uh, clean, quiet energy. So awesome. if you've got these um, like, like trailers set up with folks you know, effectively living inside of them, powered by the Moxion unit, um, how long does an MP75 support uh, folks living in their trailers, um, how difficult are they to get in there? Yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a good question. Um, and like any good engineer, I'm gonna answer with it. De it depends. Now, yeah. uh, if you're running a, I call a large base camp, uh, which can be you know nine to 12 trailers, hair, makeup, um, a lot of high power loads, you're looking at probably one to two days per charge. Uh, if you're running lighter loads, uh, which is typically seen for just residences, you're probably going to be about you know one week per charge. What happens at the end of that charge if 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 my movie is still shooting? Yep. Uh, so uh, when the batteries are fully discharged, there's a couple ways to to recharge them. That's that's usually the the second question we get is how do you recharge these? And um, one way is to perform a battery swap. Uh, so you can have multiple units uh, in a, a rental fleet and remotely monitor when a, a battery is going to run out of charge and come in and swap it out ahead of time. So in that, that set example, you obviously don't want the power to drop out while you're filming. And so before the filming would starts, you might swap that out with a fully charged one. So you've got ample runtime. You can also leave it plugged into you know a low power grid connection and just trickle charging all the time. 
Uh, you can also hybridize it with diesel generators, for example, uh, and then they can kick on, but then you'd have the, the noise on the film set side. Right. Well, let, me, let me ask you this, because as long as we're down the, down the stalk path here, um, obviously, uh, you know, Hollywood sets great application for this. What are some of the other, uh, you know, some of the best applications that you've seen for the technology? I'm sure some of them probably surprised you that you didn't even consider when you started this journey, and I think that'd be a very interesting thing to talk about a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so where we're seeing a lot of really great use cases are in events and entertainment. So you have temporary events that you know may go on for a couple days or a week, uh, sort mm -hmm. of these short-term um, uh, events. And you know when people are walking around a music festival, for example, they probably don't want to listen to the generator; they want to listen to the music. Um, Burning Man, like yeah, this comes to mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, as an example, um, you know, then there's other very unique. Uh, applications on job sites for man lifts or sump pumps where for a man lift you need to have power you know 24 hours a day but if you're running that off of internal combustion you're effectively idling a diesel engine waiting for someone to push a button and it runs for 30 seconds and then goes back to idling and as you know it that's a terrible duty cycle on uh, diesel generators you're gonna wet stack the engine and you're just sitting there burning fuel all day uh, very similar for sump pumps as well, where you always have to have power, but they just kick on for short durations. So really, you know, any application where you have 24-7 operation, it's a great fit. Yeah, just to give our, our listeners another example, I mean, we're, we're doing a job right now, I, I can't say exactly where, but it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't know if it's a super fun fight, it's, it's a toxic site mm -hmm. where there's 24-7 pumping going on, and it's near a residential neighborhood. So what we're doing is we are using batteries to, in that use case where we've got the compression ignition engine running on renewable fuel, running on HVO for a majority of the day. They're a little oversized, so they're charging up those batteries. Mm -hmm. And then at night, so there's no noise for that residential neighborhood, those pumps are continuing to run, but we're utilizing the batteries uh, to run those pumps. So it, 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 it's totally self-sustaining and we can keep those pumps 24-7 without creating any noise at night. So I think as this technology becomes more and more prevalent and we have more and more of it out there, uh, you know, the sky's the limit with regards to creativity and use cases. I was at the Energy Storage North America show uh, a couple weeks ago in San Diego. Uh, we were, we were um, exhibiting a smaller CAT battery, a little 60 kilowatt battery, and some of the ideas and use cases that people came up with, I, I hadn't even thought about. So mm -hmm. I think we're at, the, we're at the edge, we're at the very beginning of, uh, of this transition, and it's going to be very, very exciting. Um, one of the things Moxion claims is that there's no range anxiety. And uh, first of all, exactly what is range anxiety? Is that something you need to go see a doctor about and get a pill? Or, uh, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. And uh, how do you achieve the uh, elimination of range anxiety? Yeah, so I, I think uh, typically people have thought of batteries and in, in how they're used in UPS systems, which are really short duration. There haven't really been too many long duration uh, battery systems out there to date. Uh, and so everyone's mindset is that batteries aren't going to last long enough. Okay, let me stop you right there. We have a little rule on power talk. When we have a TLA or an FLA, three-letter acronym or four-letter acronym, we like to explain it. So UPS for our listeners? Uh, uninterruptible power supply. Thank you, sir. You may continue. <laughs> um, and so this is really, you know, one of the first long-duration energy storage systems that, that are out there. You can, you can think of it like a uh, fully electric car. Now, the way that you address range anxiety, uh, it's, too, it's really a two-pronged approach. One is getting clear estimates for how much further you have to run and knowing you know, with a high degree of certainty when it's going to run out. And so Moxian's actively tracking use cases and actively updating 
uh, time to empty calculation. So how much longer until this is going to be spent? Um, the second part is the recharge time or the charging infrastructure. And that's really where uh, a swapping network um, comes in handy because you can effectively refill your battery or recharge it as quick as you can move cables over. And if that takes too long, you can use an automatic transfer switch and it's under a second to change over power. Uh, and in the near future, it'll be uninterruptible where we can hot swap batteries on a live load uh, without ever dropping the power. That's what we call blipless. Yep. Absolutely blipless. And this, you know, people, check this thing out online. It's really cool. The, the, the thought that's gone into this design, I mean, one of the criteria is this thing rolls through a double door. Yeah, it rolls through a double door, so you could literally get these MPs. Yeah, you know, we're day. we're looking for every competitive advantage we can get, um, and typically you don't want to be running a diesel generator inside a building, and uh, so we designed this for width and height to pull through double wide doors uh, and go into a building. So, if there's an active construction site or work getting done done inside the building, you don't have to go run hundreds of feet of cable. Uh, you can, you know, just plug right in and get the job done. And what, what size of vehicle is required to move this thing around? Uh, so you need a F-250 or larger uh, vehicle. Um, and at least, you know, in the state of California, you need a CDL. Uh, the unit on trailer is a little bit over 12,000 pounds. So anything over 10,000, you need that CDL. Okay. That's fantastic. Now, have you, have you seen people actually use it inside or is that... Yeah, is that theoretical or have you actually seen people use it? We've seen people use it inside. Um, there's various stages of construction projects and you know they're just gonna do whatever is easiest and so if you can just roll it into where the work's getting done, uh, it saves them a lot of work and effort to go run uh, hundreds of feet of heavy 4 aught cable. Probably safer too just from uh, like a theft standpoint. I know copper uh, cables get stolen all the time, so if you can have that inside your building, maybe one less thing to worry about. Definitely. And, and those cables also, they wear out, they get dragged along the asphalt all the time, um, and so it's, you know, it's just easier. Let me, let me ask you this, from, from a, an, an ESG perspective, uh, uh, ESG is something we've talked about a lot on the show, it's, uh, you know, environment, social, and governance. Uh, um, how, how does the, the user uh, know where their energy is coming from and the carbon footprint of the energy that went into the battery? Are you guys just defaulting to you know grid carbon intensity or how would a user look at their emissions profile? Yeah, so uh, from Oxian on our own, uh, we call it our energy services, but our, our battery swapping uh, business. Um, all of our energy is sourced 100% renewable from the grid. Um, so we, we, you know, it's as clean as at least our local utility company says it is, and we always go for the 100% renewable plans. Uh, in the future, we plan to sign some power purchase agreements with renewable energy, uh, like solar installations, okay. um, on the accounting side. Now, if you just plugged into the California grid uh, without any special plans, um, the California electrical grid is still nine times cleaner than a diesel generator at the end of the day. Uh, with all the renewables, nuclear, hydro, solar mixed in. Okay, and you guys here in, in Richmond, uh, you're charging you know, here. You're part. Of, you're part of MCE, right? You're part of uh, Marine Clean Energy. I don't know on that one. I think or, we're, we're I either. Think, it's yeah, either going to be that or PG&E. Yeah, I think Richmond is Marine Clean Energy, but um, they have a very, very clean profile, especially with their deep clean rates. Um, let me ask you this, are, are there use cases where the MP75, the Moxion technology, doesn't necessarily work very well? Yeah, and it, it's, I'd, I'd separate works well and uh, having a business case around it. Um, okay. And so where... Well said. Yeah, I mean, there, there's two things. You can make something really great and then you can make something that's a business. Um, I think the 
you know, uninterruptible power supply or UPS market uh, probably doesn't work for most applications because it's just sitting there doing nothing most of the time. Um, <coughs> I'm sure someone can prove me wrong and there is a great application uh, in UPS where it works. Uh, the other applications that get a little bit tougher are if it gets dropped off at a site where you can't get access to, you know, any way to swap it in and out, uh, any power, or it's really remote and there's no other way to get power, eventually it's going to run out of energy. And if there's, you know, no easy way to, to recharge, then that's probably not a great use case for it. That, that, that sounds universal. I mean, if, if we drop a generator somewhere and you can't get fuel to it. Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, it, that being said, you could still prop up a solar array next to it and self-generate. Um, and I don't think you can do that with diesel. But it would take a lot of a lot of real it, estate. It takes a lot of real estate. Um, real estate. You know, if, if we're talking a seventy-five kilowatt solar array, you probably need at least a half an acre of dirt uh, to go set that up. Right. And, and, and again, for our listeners, a power talk here. We we maintain uh, technology neutrality. Uh, we believe that the future is dependent upon all of these technologies, all of the above. So this it's not just one or the other. And unfortunately, in these remote applications, so there, there, there are a lot of challenges with regards mm -hmm. to either refueling, having enough real estate to provide a, a number of solar panels to provide that charging, or uh, the swapping in and out of batteries. Um, I, I think I know the answer to this question, but I, I got to ask it as, as we're sitting here grinning about the technology. What, what's been the general market response to this new technology? Um, it's, it's mixed, and I'm going to bid it into three categories. Okay. Um, I would say 60% uh, of the feedback we get is this is fantastic, this is amazing, I'm really excited, great product, can't wait to get my hands on it and use it. Um, maybe another 20% that is, that's neat but doesn't really impact me, I'm going to move on, uh, call that neutral. And then another 20% uh, that is, call it dissenting, that's, that'll never work. Um, and so, you know, it won't work for every application, I agree. Uh, but overall, um, I'd say you know it's been a, a great response once people actually get their hands on it. Fantastic, appreciate that. Um, you know, we're fortunate enough to be sitting here with Alex Smith today, who's the chief technology officer. So I, I think we should probably dive into the technology <laughs> a little bit and uh, pick his brain a little bit. So uh, we've talked about various battery chemistries on this uh, podcast before. Uh, specifically, what battery chemistry is Moxion using? So we're using a lithium iron phosphate or LFP battery cell. Okay. And why why did you choose that? Why LFP? Else? Great question. Why LFP versus NMC? And let, let for our <coughs> listeners again, just as a primer, uh, NMC versus LFP. LFP is um, lithium iron phosphate. Lithium iron phosphate. Uh, NMC much. is going to be uh, nickel manganese cobalt. Uh, there's also very common uh, NCA, uh, nickel cobalt aluminum, and then there's hybrids of that like NMCA where they put in both manganese and uh, aluminum. Um, but what that means in practical terms is uh, all of the long range electric vehicles that you see on the market today are using either uh, NMC or NCA chemistries. Um, you're starting to see some uh, more economical uh, vehicles coming out using uh, LFP battery cells. And the main differences between them are uh, with LFP chemistry, you're gonna get longer cycle life. So if you're, you're talking about commercial applications, um, they get used hard every single day. Uh, and so you need longer cycle life. Um, it's also a lower cost. So uh, we work in dollars per kilowatt hour. 
uh, and it's typically 20 to 30% less. And if you're making a giant battery, you need to have a business behind it. Uh, and then the last but most important one is safety. Uh, so the LFP battery chemistry is probably the, the safest chemistry on the market um, that's commercially available in high volume today. Yeah, I understand the flash point between LFP and NFC is uh, about 150 degrees difference between the two. Yeah, and the, the nickel chemistries generate their own oxygen uh, if you have a, an issue. And so, you know, if you have an issue and you're generating your own oxygen, uh, that's the definition of a rocket. Um, and so, you know, in, in all instances, uh, you know, if you're storing energy and it's an uncontrollable release of it, uh, you prefer to have that happen as slow as possible. And so uh, the LFP chemistry also releases its energy slower than some of these high nickel chemistries if you do have a problem. So what's the, what, what's the benefit of the slow release? So, so I'm thinking a few years ago there were news stories of um, people would have like a vape uh, e-cigarette in their pocket and yeah. there'd be a runaway and their pants catch on fire. Yeah, so the slow release you're going to get a lower temperature. Okay. Um, and so it's much easier to, to engineer around um, a lower temperature slow event than a really you know, high temperature quick event. Maybe a nice way to phrase it. And how much slower are we? Like how how bad would the? I mean, you're you're talking you know something that's uh, probably going to completely destroy itself in less than five or ten seconds to something that uh, is going to go to minutes. Uh, so there's an order of magnitude difference, difference um, in sort of the the energy release rates if you do have an issue. I'm curious. I want to, I want to dig into this a little bit more. Uh, you know, common uh, thinking right now in, mm. in this nascent industry still nascent industry is the NMC um, allows you much more power density. Mm -hmm. And the MP75 is all about power density. It's amazing yeah. how much power fits in your module. So, you know, the layman might say, well, why, why didn't they use NMC? Why did they go with LFP when it challenges the very essence of their design in the first place? So yes. Can you speak to that, <laughs> that a little bit? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's true that, you know, you're going to get higher uh, energy density out of uh, uh, high nickel chemistry. Um, but I've been in this industry almost 20 years uh, and kind of seen projects through. And when you engineer around a high nickel chemistry, you have to add on all these additional, uh, we'll call it belts and suspenders in order to safety, durability, life cycle, thermal management systems. And by the time you add all of that on, you've actually lowered your energy density below uh, if you had just started with an LFP chemistry and kept it simple. So our strategy is just start with really, really strong foundational building blocks, not create these issues that you have to engineer around, and just keep it simple. Oh, that's, that's fantastic. What a great idea. I've learned something. That's, thank you for that. <laughs> that's fascinating. I've never really thought about it that way. That's, that's amazing. Um, and, and along those lines, I mean, you know, you guys are early on this journey, um, and it, it is a journey. God, God knows where this ends. I mean, mm -hmm. it's so, so exciting. We'll talk a little bit more about that because I see a lot of construction activity just across the street. We'll, yeah. we'll get into that shortly. <laughs> but um, do you think that Moxia would be potentially using different chemistries in the future? Yeah, so uh, we're a tech company, you know, we're out of Silicon Valley, uh, the industry is still evolving and so we are always keeping up to date with technology trends um, and as the technology improves, if it's the right balance of uh, safety, cost, performance for our applications, we will absolutely change chemistries. We're not uh, tied to, you know, any one thing other than always working with the best stuff. Okay. 
And let me let me jump into that because uh, you know the, the future a little bit here. And I've got some more technical questions, but we kind of touched on this, and uh, it's exciting what I'm seeing across the street. We understand that you you plan on building additional manufacturing capacity just mm -hmm. right right across the street here. With if, if my numbers are right from the research <laughs> I've done, seven gigawatt hours of production capacity. That's is, that, is that right? Yeah. And we'll have to define that for our customers because seven gigawatt hours. I mean that's kind of hard to get your mind around and. You know, just for some quick math here, if I take seven gigawatt hours and I divide that by your 600 kilowatt hours per MP75, that suggests that you're going to be pumping out about 11,000 MP75s a year. And uh, first of all, you know, to the CTO, is, is, is my math right? And, and is that where it's going, or are you looking to potentially manufacture larger units in the future? So your, your math is right. Uh, we target about 10,000 unit production capacity across the street. However, we're building out a product portfolio of products. So uh, we're gonna come out with some units we've already released that are, are a little bit smaller, um, something that you can pull with a Toyota Tacoma. It's gonna work great for weekend events like weddings, um, as well as your general contractor. And then we have some unreleased other units, various sizes, uh, the sky's the limit on what those could be. Um, but you can think of it as an entire product lineup of mobile battery energy storage systems. Very, very interesting. And what, when do you plan on uh, ramping up to the to this level? Um, so our factory across the street, which is still dirt, but they poured concrete, I think, last week. Uh, it's been under construction for a couple months. I believe we start moving in uh, and setting up the new lines around summertime next year. Uh, and we'll be in production with the, the next generation of our, our current product uh, by the end of this year. That's fascinating. I'm just kind of blown away by the by your growth. Like I'm I'm looking at this blank canvas of uh, of dirt outside. Sorry, I'm just impressed. Yeah, it's it's a really great site. Um, it's 15 acres. Uh, we've got a thousand feet of direct deep waterfront for you know shipping. If we get to the point where materials need to come in and out on on heavy shipping, uh, we have a rail spur, and then there's also the the ferry terminal across the street. Um, for employees to commute in and out of here out of downtown San Francisco. And so uh, we've been supported very well from the local city of Richmond um, to develop that particular site. Uh, it's Terminal 3, it's the, ter it's the port, you know, Terminal 3 of uh, the Richmond Yards and we're really excited for it. It's great seeing manufacturing in America and California. Yeah, and it's, it's a really great story. Um, you know, the, the city of Richmond has historically been a manufacturing powerhouse. Um, and this, this particular building, as, as you mentioned, um, uh, used to be manufacturing Sherman tanks and Willys Jeeps uh, about 100 years ago now, or coming up on there. Uh, it's got great foundational floor, so it's good for heavy batteries for us. Um, but then across the street, uh, there's a giant refinery plant, or refinery plant. Uh, and so us coming in with clean tech in the same neighborhood as traditional oil, um, City of Richmond's real happy to see see things change a little bit. Uh, it's amazing. I just you know as a, as a past developer you know in in Northern California developing power plants and stuff like that. It's just amazing that a site like this exists. Mm -hmm. You know, 15 acres with with, with with waterfront delivery with rail spur with 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 a uh, with a ferry terminal right there is just just unbelievable. So you know these, these guys are as smart as they look, Nate. Uh, <laughs> finding a site like that and locating here, I mean, this is this is such an amazing California story mm -hmm. about what's possible in California. You know, I think even uh, the governor was here not too long ago. Uh, 
you know, uh, congratulating you on the success and using this as an example of what's actually possible in the Golden State. Yeah, any, anything's possible if you, uh, if you try for it. Yeah, just, just amazing. Besides for California, where, you know, this is uh, obviously California is at the forefront of this market, uh, what are some of your other key markets of, of focus as we look outside of California? Um, so we're already national um, through some of our, our equipment sales uh, to our rental customers. So we're, we're already, you know, deployed and available on rent nationwide. Um, you know, from my own perspective, there's a lot of our, our foundational value comes from the difference between what electricity costs and what fuel costs. And so if you start looking for like other markets, you know, anyone can do a little Google searching. And if you look for markets that have high fuel costs uh, and low electricity costs, it looks like the Pacific Northwest. So Washington and Oregon look like great opportunities uh, for us for expansion. That's great because uh, that happens to be Peterson Service Territory. <laughs> And uh, we are just absolutely excited about the potential for collaboration uh, between Moxion and Peterson to uh, bring this technology to market and uh, serve uh, a number of customer needs right now that are being served with other, other technologies. So uh, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on that. Curious as to, you know, when you, when you do uh, mobilize one of these units, is there, is there any permits that you guys need on a construction site or you just kind of just roll right in? Um, no permitting as of now. Um, we are emerging technology and that may change in the future. Uh, but so far it's been really light. I mean, you don't need a permit every time you drive an electric bus on the road. So why should you need a permit every time you, you know, drive something with a battery that's the same size uh, out to a dirt field? Yeah. And, you know, these, this unit's 100% dry, so there's no leak hazard. Everything's air-cooled um, and it's, you know, super safe and simple to operate. I certainly hope it stays that way because I've often asked myself why you need a permit to replace your hot water heater. So, yeah. uh, but let's hope it does stay that way. Um, just a little more on the technical. Uh, one of the use cases that uh, I've heard a lot about that we haven't necessarily spoke about today, I'm not sure this is a use case or just a niche for this product, but um, I, I hear from many people, especially on the transportation side, and our trucking people are looking at this, that this product is really good at addressing the challenge of last mile electrification. Mm -hmm. And what is last mile electrification <laughs> and, and how does the Moxion solution address it? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So uh, last mile electrification is really getting that grid infrastructure out to your, your you know, where your warehouse is and where your vehicles are at. Um, and so you can, you can solve for that uh, by leaving one of these units plugged into if you had limited infrastructure uh, and really maximizing that connection um, so that you know you can you can bridge the gap until you get a permanent infrastructure upgrade or you may just defer infrastructure upgrades altogether so we find when, when you're talking about that gap does that yeah. be like a facility and they can't get additional power from the utility or what what is that gap? yeah so that that gap is you know they take delivery of a bunch of electric trucks to go run fleet operations. Um, and a lot of the, the fleet operators, they may not even own the building. They may be leasing commercial real estate. So they don't own the building. They don't want to invest in putting in permanent infrastructure. And they're trying to broker a deal between their, their landlord and the local utility company to get a power upgrade. Um, and if, if they get that far, it still may take another two years to actually get the power upgrade. Meanwhile, they've got these Meanwhile, trucks. they've got these trucks they can't charge. And so by bringing up in uh, you know, one of these Moxian units, you can really maximize what little power you may have uh, 
to get you know more out of it at the end of the day um, to support charging. And if you have no power, uh, that's where you can run, call it the battery swap uh, game plan, um, and you know go run your fleet operations and not have to worry about it. And to give you the scale of uh, you know the battery swapping, we have a site in LA, and that particular call it a charging yard or charging facility for our systems, we can deploy over 20 megawatt hours per day. And so, you know, what that means is 70,000 miles of driving Tesla Model 3s uh, or about 1,500 gallons of diesel if you were to go burn it in a, a diesel gen set. And, and so, you know, the industry today, if you've got a job site, there's delivered diesel and a truck comes out and puts more, you know, diesel in your equipment. Uh, we envision a future where instead of, you know, hauling diesel fuel tanks around, you can move batteries around uh, to keep things running. It's fantastic. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, there are a lot of programs in place uh, and a lot of policy initiatives that um, are uh, really designed to not only help Moxion, but many others in the industry. And I want to just uh, touch on those a little bit. The uh, California Core Program, C-O-R-E, that's an FLA, we gotta, we got to say what it is. Yep. It's the Clean Off-Road Equipment Voucher Program, but this is an incentive program in California, and it provides a very significant rebate for the MP75. Uh, significant. Significant. Beyond 50%. Uh, look it up for yourself, but it, it mm -hmm. is significant. And then, um, you know, some of the new programs that have, that have been put, put in place federally, like the, uh, the IRA and stuff like that, um, I think, you know, Moxion is really poised to benefit from these programs uh, at this early adoption stage. Um, I, I, I got to ask the question, how competitive is the solution without these programs? And, you know, obviously you believe it's sustainable without these mm -hmm. programs. And are these programs tailing off and how reliable, how, how reliant are you on the programs? Yeah, so I think the, the programs are great as the industry is just starting out. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, call it hesitation whenever you bring a new technology to market um, and a lot of just learning curve to get things up and operating. So really, it's it helps our customers, uh, we'll say take that technology risk, um, get them out of the gate, get started. Uh, we are not dependent on them. Um, there's still a business case without them. Uh, but I think it's really, it, it helps by lowering the barrier of entry. It, it, it kind of creates a little FOMO, doesn't it? It, it does. It does. Um, but yeah, it, it just yeah. Want to be clear because I know there's a lot of politics around it. Like we're not dependent on those tax credits, but uh, you know, it's great for our customers. Yeah, they yeah. don't hurt. Yeah, they don't. They don't hurt. No one's going to complain about them. Yeah, I think the markets will levelize as as these programs tail off as they're designed to do. Yeah. And we said FOMO. That's a that's an FLA. And yeah. Since you have a cat named <laughs> FOMO for our listeners, what is FOMO? FOMO. FOMO is fear of missing out. And my cat's named that because my other cat will be playing with something, and within about 30 seconds, FOMO comes over and has to investigate. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we, we talked about your amazing growth. Um, you know, let, let, let's go back to that just a little bit. I mean, obviously, um, Richmond. Yeah. Um, did you guys, when you created Moxie, when you were sitting down with the founder's wife coming up with this really cool name of Moxie mm -hmm. and Ion, um, did, did Richmond enter that conversation, or how did you guys wind up at Richmond? Um, so our CEO, Paul, uh, used to work out of this building when he was at SunPower and just okay. loved the site, loved the location. So I think he had it in the back of his mind that someday he wanted to be back in this building. Um, and yeah, I mean, that, that's the story at the end of the day is, uh, you know, uh, most, of, uh, most of the founding team is 
local to the area, and it's a great balance and a great location of uh, manufacturing, uh, location to, to, you know, technology workers, uh, and, you know, overall a, a really beautiful site. It is. I mean, we're, we're right on the water here in, in Richmond. It's a gorgeous place. In case people don't know where it is, it's, it's right next to the Mountain Hardware outlet. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, most of, most of the folks here are, are, are really well-dressed. Casual, but really, really well-dressed. Uh, let, let me go back to this just a little bit. You mentioned that you guys are at about 375 employees right now. Mm -hmm. When you started just a couple of years ago, how many were you at two years ago? Uh, so if, if I go with like chronological order, the company's four years old right about this month. Um, for the first year, it was just the four co-founders. Uh, end of year two, we were probably around 20 people. End of year three, kind of coming up on 100. End of year four, knocking on the door 400. Um, and so it, it's been, you know, exponential growth for us. Um, yeah. Where do you think you'll be once, uh, once your new facility opens up? It's hard to say. Uh, I know we've announced some numbers, but I don't remember what they are right now. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Fair enough. No, fair enough. I, it, it is an amazing story. Let, let me let me ask this because in case we have some HR people listening to this uh, yeah. to this podcast, I certainly hope we do. But uh, you know, being located in the San Francisco Bay Area, do, mm -hmm. do you think that's a positive or a minus with with regards to attracting the talent that you need to support your growth? Because there's arguments on both sides of that. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to hear that from a startup. Um, I think there's there's more positives than negatives at the end of the day. Uh, being a technology company, you need to have uh, access to capital. Uh, downtown San Francisco is a mecca for venture capital. Um, you also need to have access to uh, the talent, uh, and so you know we're relatively close to uh, a lot of the you know people that live on the peninsula. Some people live down in South Bay. Um, and then you also need to be able to have, uh, you know, a workforce to build everything. Um, and so, you know, this location is kind of uniquely in the middle of everything uh, that enables us to do that. It really is. It is. Let, let me ask this. How, how much of your workforce is remote? Um, I think as, as a company overall, we're probably 15%. Okay. Um, I think it's higher in certain groups. So within engineering, um, it's probably 30%, and that allows us to really get the best talent from anywhere on the planet. Yeah, no, it's very interesting walking around here. It's a, it's a very, for, obviously our listeners can't see, but it's a very open environment, uh, what, what you would expect with a tech company. They've um, got an indoor food truck. Yeah, a lot of, lot, lot of buses <laughs> going around, and uh, yeah, you spoke about the first year yeah. Of, of your existence, your your original conference room is uh, over in the lunch area, which is a uh, yeah. Tell, tell us about that a little bit. That's that's pretty unique to Moxie. Yeah. So uh, our by the way, the, the the original conference room is an airstream trailer. Yeah. So the the original conference room is an airstream trailer. So that was actually our our third build site, our third you know facility location. I think uh, uh, number one was the back of my garage. Uh, number two was a uh, you know questionable space in Sunnyvale where the the landlord you know told us that uh, it had air conditioning and it was a hot summer and um, so we, we you know did a month-to-month -month lease on it and when we asked how to turn the air conditioner on he said I don't know it's broken you can go fix it if you want uh, and then we were out of there uh, and then up to Richmond and you know we were at a stage where we we're building our first prototypes and you know uh, Jed one of the other co-founders was and myself were trying to put this thing together and banging on stuff and you know making lots of noise as you do when you're you're hands-on building stuff and uh, the other two co-founders Paul and Alex Meek were trying to take investor calls do fundraising sales 
and we had you know a noise problem. Uh, you can't do those two things in a, a loud warehouse. And so we had looked at uh, these phone booths uh, that you see in, in office spaces and we just thought, you know, those are way too expensive. You know, I could go get a used Airstream trailer for the price of that phone booth. And so next thing you know, we've got a used Airstream trailer off Craigslist and that was our first conference room. <laughs> uh, and so we've, we've kind of kept it as a nice uh, memento of the past and sort of expanded out. Um, and so now the Airstream trailer is, you know, nicely taken care of and polished. Uh, it's got lots of AstroTurf around it, picnic tables, uh, white picket fence, some flamingos, and so it's a really fun break area uh, and lunchroom now. Yeah, no, you've definitely created an environment here that's uh, an environment where people seem to enjoy hanging around working and just creativity just, just kind of flows. Mm -hmm. So, you know, with that and with, with all that's happening, you know, what, what you know, we've talked about the growth and all that, but, you know, in, in your mind playing it forward, you know, what do you think are some of the next things from Moxion that, that we should be looking out for? Yeah. Uh, we're, I would say right now, we're really working on a lot of capability improvements in our products. So, you know, our first product right now that's in production, quite frankly, it's our, our MVP or minimum viable product. So get an energy storage system out there uh, with a lot of, you know, uh, new technology in the inverter. Um, but, you know, to be fair, working with a small team at a high speed, there's some compromises on the controls architecture and you need to get to critical mass before you can really kind of step up your game on it. So. Uh, most of the team's efforts on, call it the brain and the nervous system of our products and really making it a, a cutting edge, sophisticated product. So uh, end of this year, you'll be able to do over there updates, true AC paralleling, um, as well as numerous other sort of advanced features that don't quite exist in the market yet. Did you hear that, Mike DeMarzi? Uh, Michael DeMarzi, <laughs> one of our chief engineers, our chief electrical engineer, Peterson, has been uh, engaged with, with some of your staff uh, talking about some of those things. So uh, be patient, Mike, it's coming. So uh, that, that's all good news. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think this has been great. Uh, I, I really want to thank you for your time. I think this has been absolutely fantastic. I know uh, you've got a lot on your plate and a lot going on. Uh, let me just give you the microphone one more time and, and, and ask you, are there any thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with as we uh, close out what's been a very informative and uh, exciting uh, exciting conversation here on Power Talk? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say um, there's a lot of hesitation anytime it comes to new technology, uh, and we like to joke around here that at the end of the day, it's a simple switch. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I, That's it. That's I, I, good. Well, that was, that was a pretty good swing. I, I, I'll, 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 uh, I'll concede. I think you hit that one out All of right. the park. Nate, anything else from you? <laughs> uh, just a big thank you to our listeners. If you have ideas for what you'd like to hear on this podcast, you can send that to podcast at petersonpower.com via email. And there will also be links beneath this episode. We'll have links to Moxion so you can... See some of these products we're describing, Greg. Anything our listeners need to know? Yeah, this is just a continuing conversation. Uh, we want we want to continue this conversation. I think this will not be our first time, uh, our last time at Moxion. Yeah, uh, I'd love to have this chat again in uh, twelve to eighteen months. When uh, I want rocket ships. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about rocket ships. But I think uh, maybe uh, the next conversation will be across the street. It probably facility. will. And uh, to our listeners, if there's interest in a topic or something like that, we try to keep it. Uh, we try to keep it free-flowing and informative. We're having a lot of fun with it. We hope you enjoy listening as well. And uh, with that, thank you. Be safe out there and have a great weekend.